You can listen to The Professional Left on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There's a PayPal button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. This is the podcast for March 10th, 2017. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from the Paul Ryan Fun with Numbers Insurance Seminar and Sudoku Tournament, it's The Professional Left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. And happy birthday, Mom. Happy birthday to Drift Glass's mom. She's so awesome. She is. This is her actual real-life birthday. And wow, I'm, that's I, great. I, and, I'm, and I'm doing what a good son should The best son, really. Of all of her children, <laughs> I got it. I'm pretty much oh, the best brother. one. Your I, brother is such a sweetheart, I though. I organized an entire podcast and put together 379 episodes and hired the best sound person in the business just <laughs> to tell my mom happy birthday. So, me to you. From me to you. And she's rolling her eyes right now. She is. And that's good for her eyes. That's good exercise. It's good for her. See? Uh-huh. You're always thinking of her. I am. And, you know, your mom doesn't wear um, men's clothing. No. But if she did, yes. would you suggest, would you have anything to suggest to her to wear? I, I would have two suggestions. One, <laughs> uh, she'd probably look lovely in a pair of Dukakis khakis. Dukakis khakis, which are a line of sensible men's pants. They're not so good for running in, though. Uh, and my mom always used to buy men's clothes because a they're uh, in her time anyway they were better made Mm -hmm. and b she's a tall lady she is tall like her son she both sons she's tall and her daughter's tall everybody's tall in your family on the other hand uh i would have to warn her against uh crocs this is why we've given her as a birthday gift a free pass to croc blockers the bad fashion choice alert system from cornfield uh, enterprises Croc blockers, hey, Mom, don't wear those shoes. <laughs> hey, Mom, don't wear those shoes. Don't wear shoes. those shoes. You know what? She would never. She would never. She would never. And now she will forgive me because we have a, a couple of new sponsors. We have one new sponsor, I'm, I'm sure of. Oh, MacGuffin's Muffin, of course, uh, well, is available. Well, that's the perfect snack to wear while you're wearing Dukakis Cactus and Croc blockers is MacGuffin's Muffins, yes. Which builds strong plot points 12 ways. And my mom, who is an astonishingly good cook, uh, who learned how to cook from her mother, who was one of those a pinch of this and a handful of that, and you're trying to copy her recipe, and, and she's like, don't look, because <laughs> it's all a freaking secret. Um, I w- uh, her, her stuff is great. She sends a little care package every Christmas. Um, she makes such good sweets. She does. They're boxes of sweets, yeah. And and sh- her, her muffins and rolls and her, uh, her scones are, are delicious. Uh, but, you know, if I were deprived of those, I could subsist on MacGuffin's muffins. Uh-huh. MacGuffin's muffins, building strong plot points, 12 ways. And now, Mom, cover your ears. <laughs> because we're introducing a, a potential new sponsor. Uh, the whole I don't trade- think this one's going to be safe for work, though. It isn't safe. Well, nothing we do is safe for work, honey. <laughs> not, a, not a goddamn thing. Uh, we're introducing a line of uh, called Bento Cocks. Bento Cox is the bespoke uh, condom for the man on the go. Oh, my God. Yeah. Bento Cox. <laughs> dial it up. Cover it up. If you can't afford to go to the store, they'll have them in your home in 30 minutes or less. Oh, Bento my God. Now, that's, again, I, I, we're looking, we're working, we're still working with the Schrodinger's people, uh, Schrodinger's dick pills, but uh, not looking just, so good. We go, we go blue on everything here. <laughs> and that is the color of uh, Bento Cox, by the way. You get them in seven designer colors. Um <laughs> But, you know, we are obviously monetizing the shit out of this show. 
No, we're not. Uh, no, we're not. Uh, we're still working on uh, the assumption that doing a good show every week um, for listeners that we appreciate and who appreciate what we do is probably the best, quote unquote, business model uh, for us. Yeah. So bento cocks come in blue, huh? Well, they come in seven <laughs> designer colors. Oh, seven designer seven. colors. But blue, is, uh, blue is one of them. Yeah. We'll work blue. <laughs> Whatever color. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We like green, but we'll work blue. Yeah, we're recording this on uh, Thursday evening, late. Yeah. Um, late in the evening. It is well past sunset um, mm-hmm. and because we wanted to wait until the last possible moment for... Yeah, uh, well, you know, the last possible moment is never late enough. Right, because tomorrow morning is something else. Yep. There'll be some tweet that came out from Crazy Man in the White House. Um, I did want to recommend to people um, an article, two articles, actually, there's this website that you might have heard of called Quora, which is uh, people asking questions and then people answering them, and they're upvoted. And it is a little bit of crowdsourcing answers to questions, some of which are interesting discussions of literature, and some of them are celebrity stuff, like what is Leonardo DiCaprio like in real life? Um, <laughs> that is one of the questions. Uh <sighs> Really stupid questions like, since Obama lied that if you like your health care plan, you can keep it under Obamacare, is Trump entitled to at least one lie of equal severity? Yeah. <laughs> I've got an article to counter your article. Uh, uh, but that's not the one I wanted to read to you. Right. The, the one that I wanted to, to suggest to people is one that is called, What is the Vibe in Washington, D.C. now that Trump has been in office for one month? (laughs) And it is uh, answered by an Olivia Chapman who lives in Washington, D.C., and she gives a really thorough answer. It goes on for three long paragraphs about the different kind of people that live in Washington. And she does recommend that you read uh, Leon Panetta. Read any interview with Liam Panetta, and you will know how the intelligence community feels about Barack Obama. They are really concerned and feel that uh, Steve Bannon has brought this pseudo leadership to the White House, which is not leadership at all. Yeah. Um, and that if our commander, this is the sentence I'll quote, if our commander in chief's first reaction to a terrorist attack is to send out a string of nonsensical all caps tweets, we're in some hot water. Yeah, and that will be his first reaction. Um, yeah. And, and, but then she goes on and she talks about all of the people that live in Washington mm-hmm. and the demographics of the district is very diverse. They're, you know, everyone from, she calls them treasonous WAPO journalists to, yeah, yeah. uh, Highly educated private sector employees who are mostly liberal, um, black and Hispanic immigrant population on the east side, wealthy foreigners, diplomats, ambassadors, IMF, World Bank, UN staff. These people have been there forever, you know, Um, and uh, a lot of consulting firms, lots of media outlets, lots of interns who are just young people. Um, And she says, as much as D.C. can be a self-aggrandizing circle jerk of elitism, there is now a renewed sense of purpose in the kind of work that's done here. Note, I'm not including anyone in Congress in the work at getting work done category. Uh, A lot of us approach this administration with definite apprehension, uh, but we also use some tongue-in-cheek humor and the calming collective knowledge that statistically your coworker 
or the person sitting next to you on the metro didn't vote for a fascist at the polls uh, because D.C. went 97 percent for Clinton. Oh, I'm sure. So, they did. you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a real sense that, no, this guy is an outsider. He's, he's not one of us, not just an outsider like a Washington outsider like you would brag about. But uh, he he's not uh, a government person. And that is a problem. So uh, anyway, I I want I just wanted to point that out to you because to me it was we we focus so much on Twitter and on what's going on in Washington. And every time we look at what's going on in Washington, we are looking at a member of Congress or someone in the White House. And at this point, all of that is dysfunctional. And to realize that there are people in that city working and literally working and sometimes leaking <laughs> and sometimes working against what the chaos that's going on. But all of them, uh, a lot of them have a renewed commitment to the work they're doing. I found that comforting. Well, I, I have a, you know, I my experience uh, when I was uh, uh Adjacent to city government, shall we yeah, say, yeah, yeah, was very similar. It was there. There are uh, there was a, a permanent civil service group, right? Uh, if you will, a, a permanent class of people who <clears throat> are dedicated to the jobs they do. Mm -hmm. And you know, you can find good people and bad people in any profession, but it was the same kind of you know, dedicated teachers. Teachers and cops are, are government employees. Judges right. are government employees. Uh, the people who collect your trash, the people who go and I I went on a few of these. And do nose counts of homeless people. Yeah, are government employees, and mm -hmm. those people have a real sense of purpose. And when their when their sense of uh, when their funding is cut, they get pissed. Mm -hmm. But when they're told that what they're doing is existentially useless, and that yeah. they are evil people for wanting to serve the public, mm -hmm. uh, that tends to arouse a great deal of ire uh, yeah. among them. What I but I, I I was looking for the quote. I can't find it right now. But I think it was Sally Quinn. Um, when the Clintons came to town, mm -hmm. when they went, uh, the Washington social elite went nuts. Mm -hmm. You know, those mm -hmm. hillbillies came to our village and wrecked the place. Yeah. And and that's why the Clintons were frozen out and treated like shit. And that's why, you know, when, when people were running at them right By people time, like Sally Quinn. Yeah, when people <laughs> were running at them with knives, there was nobody, there was nobody standing in their way because, and... I wonder where the and those you know cocktail circle jerk socialites who are yeah. definitely there. Uh, mm -hmm. Where are you on the whole Donald Trump is a fascist come to your town to destroy your village thing? Right, right. Uh, you certainly seem a lot more interested in, in sucking his dick and mm -hmm. sucking up to him for contracts and hoping that some money will flow down your way. Right, that you are right. defending Wait, your precious your little tax village. Cuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm I I it, the way you described Washington sounds a lot like Chicago, frankly. Mm -hmm. It's a mm -hmm. very it's a it's a international city. It's a metropolitan place, and there's all kinds of people there, and it has a reputation for certain things. But that doesn't mean a whole lot of other things aren't going on there. Right, uh, right. But you know, if you it, rise up to defend your town, right. Uh, well, and also, I mean, one of the things that we've talked about before is that recessions don't hit Washington D.C. Exactly, exactly. And well, they don't. They don't for hit a that, number of reasons, they don't hit that certain bandwidth of people in Washington D.C. In Washington, exactly. right? Well, yeah, right. The, the people who, if, if the stock market crashes, there's a lot of people who are in housekeeping and childcare who might get laid off, sure, you know. And poor, and poor people are, are screwed every place. Every, every time, every place, right. Marginal workers are screwed every place. Whenever there's uh -huh. a tick, they're the ones who, who go down first. Yeah. But, yeah, right. whoever's coming to town is coming there for a job. And whoever's right. leaving is going someplace else or is staying to be a lobbyist for the people who are arriving. Yeah. So it, there's no – and this is and all the money flows through there. 
So yep. there is no shortage of there's never a recession among yep. the upper class. Right. And and hearing that um, Steve Mnuchin just bought a 12 million dollar house sure. and it's not you know, that's not his only home. Of no. course not. He has one in L.A. and he has one elsewhere. And uh, there is no um, consequence for him to make up numbers for no. the federal budget and to say, well, the State Department can do with 30 percent less. Who is you know? When those numbers come out about what percentage of these uh, cuts are going to go to HUD and it's going to repair mold damage in yeah. home, in people's homes in New York City is going to be cut, uh-huh. Stephen Nuchin is nowhere to be found. No, why would he But be? when he's going to talk on CNBC about, oh, yeah, well, what we're looking at is 4% growth, and that is easily achievable, you know, he's, he says to uh, Ms. Bartiromo. Ms. Bartiromo. <laughs> Yeah. You know, sure. Then he's there and he's available to, to talk and yeah. and make any comment that she wants him to make because she's not going to ask a follow up question. Uh, and she's certainly not going to ask him uh, how much money are you pocket will you pocket from the tax cut that you're planning? Well, and this so, is uh, this is the result. I mean, this is the result of long range. Uh, this is the this is the disaster at the end of the Republican long range plan. Yeah. Uh, well, remember yeah. once upon a time, and we're going to talk about a little bit about this being sort of um, a time capsule show in a little in in kind of a way, because mm-hmm. it's been forty three years since Watergate summer. Mm. It's been a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, sort of what if if you out there in the audience, if you listening, had to tell someone forty three years from now mm. what this time was like. Yeah. Um, what would you tell them in a way that, you know, gives them a proper context, lets them understand, lets them comprehend the, the sort of the full weight of your words mm-hmm. and not knowing who they are or what they are, but that they're survived and they're they're Americans and we still have a country and it's not completely destroyed. And, you know, problems have gotten some are better or some are worse, but it's 43 years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of my context comes from Pat Buchanan. I think it was Pat Buchanan who, who said his advice to Nixon was burn the tapes. Yeah, you should have burned the tapes. Mm-hmm. But they mm-hmm. went further than that. This is why now is different than that. They didn't just burn the tapes. They they destroyed the people who cared about the tapes. Yeah, yeah. They made sure there's no one left in the Republican Party who would even care right. if the president is is a liar or a crook or right. a traitor or right. corrupt, but who who can be whose opinions can be switched on and off like a light switch. Yep. Hillary Clinton emails is impeachable. Mm-hmm. The fact that Donald Trump is a traitor and the people in his administration are are in the pay of a foreign government or have corrupt business deals going on or lied to Congress. They don't care about it at all. The Mm -hmm. Republican Party has completely gotten rid of anyone who cares about the fact that their party is a lawless, fascist uh, mob. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so weird watching television, watching people in news, because they're still reporting as if there are people out there who care (laughs) that there's an audience for, can you believe this indignation? Can you believe this outrage? And, if you don't mind, I, I might be a little bit out of order here. I want to get you an article from Brain Pickings. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the uh, a letter. Um, That's a good blog, by the way. Yeah, it That's is. a very good blog. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to read the whole article, but I want to read the introduction and the letter. It's about a letter that Bertrand Russell wrote to Sir Oswald Mosley in 1962. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is this is where I'm at. Mentally, this is where I'm at. And this is where I think a lot of our, our listeners and, and uh, readers are. And they're just trying to find the right vocabulary to sort of explain where their minds have finally settled when it comes to their Republican colleagues or friends or conservatives who, who look at Donald Trump and still see a great man who's being, you know, not, who's being picked on 
mm-hmm. by petty, vindictive people who can't stand the fact they lost. Mm-hmm. And in 1962, Russell received a series of letters from an unlikely correspondent, Sir Oswald Mosley, who had founded the British Union of Fascists 30 years earlier. Mosley was inviting, or rather provoking, Russell to engage in a debate in which mm. he could persuade the moral philosopher of the merits of fascism. Russell's, uh, Russell's considered and morally unflinching response, included in Ronald Clark's excellent biography, The Life of Bertrand Russell, stands as a manifesto for the right not to engage in a debate with a counterpart so morally misaligned with oneself as to guarantee not only the self-defeating futility of such an engagement, but its detrimental cost to one's own sanity. Mm-hmm. And this is what Russell wrote. Dear Sir Oswald, thank you for your letter and your, for your enclosures. I have given some thought to our recent correspondence. It is always difficult to decide how to respond to people whose ethos is so alien and, in fact, so repellent to one's own. It's not that I take exception to the general points made by you, but that every ounce of my energy has been devoted to an active opposition to cruel bigotry, compulsive violence, and the sadistic persecution which has characterized the philosophy and practice of fascism. I feel obliged to say that the emotional universes we inhabit are so distinct and in deepest ways opposed that nothing fruitful or sincere could ever emerge from an association between us. Mm-hmm. I should like you to understand the intensity of this conviction on my part. It is not out of any attempt to be rude that I say this, but because that all I value, that of all that I value in human experience and human achievement. Yours sincerely, Bertrand Russell. And You've said right. that many times. Exactly. That's and, where I'm at. And, they are a different species than me now. And that, that is what uh, we cannot talk your, to them your blog father always said, too. Yeah. Understand, they're not like us. They're <laughs> the new, not. The news blog, yeah, right? The, Steve, Steve Gilliard? They're not like us anymore. They have mm-hmm. made themselves aliens. They have made themselves you know, xenogenic. They are a different species. And they don't always need to be, and they weren't before, but they have chosen to let Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and Bill O'Reilly shit in their skulls for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And they and it, no one's forced them to, to listen to this shit. Uh, they could change the dial anytime. They could look in the mirror anytime. They could pick up a paper at any fucking moment. They have chosen to turn themselves into monsters. Okay, and, we got to talk about healthcare now. Well, and, and this is what's leading to healthcare. Uh, yeah, this what leads to healthcare. Yeah. I can't remember who said it on the internet, but it was true. Um, they they hate Barack Obama more than they love anything. Yep. And they yep. would rather even see, their own popularity. Even their own yep. children. Even yeah. their own families. They it's will unbelievable. Vote, they will vote to take the to, to cut their own throats, to take their own health care away. Because mm-hmm. they hate they fucking hate us so much. They hate Barack Obama, they hate liberals, and they believe Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and Donald Trump so blindly, mm-hmm. they will sacrifice their own health and family because out of hate, out of nothing but hate and spite and vicious childlike ignorance. And the and the first test of this uh, was all this bullshit with Russia. You know, this was sort of predictable, not the specifics of the corruption, but the fact that Republicans simply wouldn't care. They yeah. didn't care yeah. when George Bush lied us into the wrong war. They didn't yeah. care when George Bush tortured people. They didn't give a shit about any of that stuff. They didn't give a shit about deficits until a black man was suddenly the president. So they're mm-hmm. not like us at all anymore. They are aliens and enemies, and they live all around us. And now they're coming for our health care, and they're mm-hmm. shooting themselves in the foot. And the question then becomes, do they hate us so much that they will stand by and let these people kill them, deprive mm-hmm. them of health care, and, and with their dying breath, 
curse Barack Obama and you and me? And that's mm-hmm, the question mm-hmm. which brings us to health care. Right. Well, and this is the point that really needs to be remembered because calling it Trump care is a ruse. Don't do it. <laughs> this is this is the Republican plan. This is what the Republicans have wanted to do mm-hmm. is claim that health care is not a human right, right and it is not an entitlement. And there is no one, no one on the Republican debate stage last year who would not be honored to have Tom Price as their Health and Human Services Secretary rewriting the regs to take health care away from people. There is no one on that Republican stage, not Kasich, not Rubio, not Jeb Bush, none of them, that wouldn't hire someone to dismantle the EPA to do whatever they could to cut back on HUD, because there is a fundamental understanding in the Republican Party. It's a misunderstanding, but it's it is their credo that there are no entitlements to services from your government. Right. And that is true of all of them. That is what the party stands for. Mm -hmm. And I would like to express gratitude today. I know we said on two weeks ago on the podcast, we didn't give a shit who the DNC chair was. Mm hmm. But this week, and it's early, and it's the first show they've done, and so it's a little rough around the edges, but um, Keith Ellison uh, is deputy chair of the Democratic National uh, Committee. Uh and uh, Tom Perez. Tom Perez is the chairman, Uh and they did a show together that they're going to do every other week, I believe. Um, Called The Odd Couple. Yeah. No, it (laughs) should be called The Odd Couple. It's it's called... um, uh, Democrats Live, I believe, is what it's called. Uh-huh. It's on Facebook. You can watch it live. They also have it on YouTube. Um, if you look up hashtag Democrats Live on Twitter, you'll find it. Uh, it it's an hour, and they're taking questions from the web, um, the curated questions, of course, yeah. not you know, not trying to take every troll that's out there. But uh, I thought it was really wonderful to see them talking together about what they want to do. Yeah, there were a lot of comments. I w- watched part of it live and there were a lot of as the live comments come up on facebook uh yes there were those that said oh look it's a communist and a muslim and i love the term block party it's like that's a block party right there let's yeah. block those people yeah uh but um ta- seeing them talk together about what they want the party to stand for and, one, and how open they want it to be. And But one of the things that Ellison said uh, made it made a lot of people comment and say, I had just about given up on the Democratic Party and you're you're almost winning me back. You know, please <laughs> keep talking like this. Right. Keith Ellison said, when you don't elect Democrats, bad things happen. Yeah. And don't pretend, don't mistake this Trump presidency for an anomaly that will never happen again if you no, don't elect no, no, if no. you can even elect an you can elect this republican cuz he'll be okay yeah, no. but it's the trump people the trump people are the ones that are really crazy because they stand for this they stand for taking away your health care they they they, they, they yeah, want to privatize and profitize medicare and social security they want to pri- they want to privatize the federal lands and they, they want, want to triple the of- defense budget even if it's the highest you know, 10 times, the next 10 countries added combined aren't even equal to ours. And you know what? We'll pay, for that. we'll pay yeah. for that by getting rid of Big Bird and getting rid of um, right. the Violence Against Women Act. Right. Funding for that. Right. That's right. their agenda. That is their heartless, 
fascist, monstrous agenda. And not one person on the debate stage in the Republican Party didn't stand right. to benefit materially and politically exactly. for doing exactly. exactly what Donald Trump is doing. Mm-hmm. They're all mm-hmm. fucking monsters. Yep. All of them. And, they're, and the reason is because the people who nominate them are fucking monsters. The base of the party are they're so separate. They're so separated from what is actually happening. I mean, the, the voter doesn't really get it that he's get. I, I don't understand Republican voters anyway, but yeah. I really don't think that they if they if you listed that, like taking away health care, taking away violence against women, diminishing water safety, you know, yeah. making sure you're not worrying about whether your water's clean anymore. Until it actually smacks them in the face and kills somebody, right. they aren't involved enough to realize that, no, I'm actually voting for people who want to do that. It's what Sean said. Well, that, see, this And is I where, don't want to vote for an abortionist. This is where um, so, you're, you're wrong, Blue Gal. You're okay, wrong. Fine. This is where we, I, we respectfully disagree. Uh, they have enough um, mental horsepower. They have enough energy going on in their fingertips and their eyeballs and their brain to get on to Breitbart, yeah. to log on to Town do. Hall, to yeah. turn the radio on and, and lap up this bilge, this toxic sludge that Rush Limbaugh's mm-hmm. been pumping mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. for 25 years. They have enough energy to watch Sean and get excited about it. They, they have the same storage facility that the average voter anywhere has, the average Democrat has. They choose to fill it with paranoid trash. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. It's not that they're ignorant. They're willfully, malignantly ignorant. They choose to be this way. And when reality bites them in the ass, when reality slaps them in the face, when reality comes home in a body bag from Iraq, they choose to lie to themselves and pretend Mm. they had nothing to do with it. They choose to find the person, the dick army out there who will say, just put on this funny hat. Wave this flag, swear the fucking God, swear the lives of your children. You never heard of George Bush and it'll get you off the hook. They choose all of those things. They choose to hate Barack Obama because he's a black man and because they're fucking racist. And they choose to hate Hillary Clinton because she's a woman and because she's smarter than they are and because they just have been trained to hate Clintons for 30 years. And Mm -hmm. they choose Mm -hmm. to vote for Donald Trump. And then they sit there and flap their arms and go, I was bamboozled when it turns out. All the shit he said he was going to do, he actually did. Mm-hmm. It was on television. Mm-hmm. His fucking podium was on television all by itself yep, for all a by year itself. and a half. Mm-hmm. The idea that you didn't know is the most transparently ridiculous lie that these mm-hmm. debased mm-hmm. creeps, these these children, these mentally underclocking head cheese human beings could possibly <laughs> offer. Say that again. These mentally underclocking head cheese human beings. Because they sure the hell got their asses out of the chairs long enough to go down to the polling place and vote, didn't they? Yeah. And they chose for some fucking reason to vote for a fascist. Yep. I don't know. And a pussy grabber. And a pussy grabber. And they laughed it all off. So no, 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 Mm -hmm. no. These are, they're absolutely to blame for this. Mm -hmm. Every bit of this gets shoved down their throat till it comes out their ass, as far as I'm concerned, for the rest of their lives. Because this (laughs) is the second moron these people voted for. Yep. In a row. Imagine that. What are you going to tell people 43 years from now? I'll tell you. There was this group of people who voted for the two worst fucking presidents in history Mm -hmm. back to back. And they had a lesson in between of a really good president. And they they hated him. Mm -hmm. And that's who these people were. They were just fucking scum. They were the they were the absolute shitty end of the human DNA pool. And they and we let them vote for some reason, and they got a bunch of assholes 
to round them up, point them in the same direction, and get them to look the other way while they did voter suppression and cross-check mm -hmm. and lies about Hillary Clinton and hooked up with the Russians and let mm -hmm. WikiLeaks stomp all over them. And all these fucking inbred yahoos were thrilled by it. Because yep. it made liberals cry. Well, and I want to say some one more thing about that, though. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this has to do with the Congress as well. Yes. Which is the idea of Republican loyalty, loyalty to party, where personally I wouldn't – I don't think I could bring myself to vote for a Joe Manchin. Even living in West Virginia, I think I would write in myself, yep. even if it meant if there was a Republican congressman or senator. Uh, you know, if if I thought it was really going to make the difference and be 51 senators, I would do it. I would really hold my breath and do it. Mm -hmm. But I he's not a Democrat in my book and no. I wouldn't vote. I, I look at him critically that way. Right. Mm -hmm. But the number of Republicans who voted against Trump in a primary was more than the number of Republicans that voted for Trump. Sure. And, and the number of Republicans. All of them, uh -huh. nearly all of them, mm -hmm. backed him in the general. Absolutely. And, and, and I, we have heard this at church. Well, you know, I don't particularly like what he's doing right now. And you know, he wasn't my first choice. Right. Which means you voted for him. Right. Which means you voted for him. Which means you voted for him. And now in Illinois, that didn't matter, sure. uh, you know, electoral it college did. wise. It, you know what? No, this is where but I it did. This it where did. I, morally, because, it yeah. did. Morally, you know, it did. Exactly. You're going to have to answer to a higher power than this little podcast for the fact that you looked fascism in the eyes and you chose it. Or you and, you, and you said, well, he wasn't my first choice, but this is my party. And I'm going to and and with the pussy grabbing and the wall and the Mexicans are rapists and that we're going to keep it. All, all Muslims out of the country yeah. and uh, and again, the pussy grabbing and the and the Trump University, and, you know, and the cheating your contractors and the bankruptcies and, and not just and 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 not seeing his tax returns. Right. And not How just can you them. vote for somebody you didn't you don't you never saw his tax returns. You would never do that with it. There was only one log in the road mm -hmm. and it was Hillary Clinton. Yeah. If you didn't vote, if you didn't apply your vote to provide maximum protection, mm -hmm. like Bento Cox. Bento Cox. Oh, stop. <laughs> stop. We're on, a, we're on a serious conversation if, here. I know. This is what I do. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but if you didn't apply your vote in the most mm -hmm. maximally efficient way possible to yep. stop Donald Trump by voting for the only person who could possibly beat him, then you are to hang at for that this moment. Too. At that moment, you are in to November. blame for this. Exactly. And there's no, and I'm, there's no forgiveness yeah. in my heart for you because yeah. if you are old enough to vote, you're old enough to you're old enough to suffer the consequences of your vote. Yeah. And if you don't think your vote matters, the next time, stay home. Well, and you know what? Voting's going to have a whole lot of consequences for people in Colorado, apparently. Well, and here we go. And for, <laughs> here we go. And people, people at Gitmo, and the people at uh, who who are dealing with mental illness. And the people who get shot by a mentally ill person. Yeah, here's the thing. Uh, mentally ill people are not going to be covered under Trump care or Rand care or Ryan care, whatever the fuck we're going to call it. Mm -hmm. But so there'll be more people who are untreated for mental illness. But the good news is they can now buy guns. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Once they go on a killing spree, for-profit prisons are back, baby. No, they'll kill themselves. And the NRA will come forward and say, you know, we really ought to invest more in mental health. And get like more. You're right. And no, no one, no one in the Republican side will say, but wait a minute, we just cut that. Uh huh. 
just and, like just like embassy security, we will just completely forgot forget that we voted to cut that, right. and we'll blame the Democrats right. for it. Because yeah. we have raised a a crop of mental head cheese, you know, <laughs> mentally underclocking head cheese, who don't know what the fuck happened yesterday. And this yeah. is the thing that's fascinating about studying these people, because I study them kind of like you study, I don't know, Jane Goodall. Uh, you know, I, I study them as if they are different. Stop! Species. I don't want you to do this. Right. <laughs> I don't want. I, I, I want but, us to be a little more humanizing than that. I don't. Uh, okay. not, they aren't animals. Yeah. They okay. aren't. They aren't. You know, if I, I the mentally underclocking head cheese is funny. Okay, I'll stop there. But uh, here's the thing: the mentally underclocking head cheeses are, are all, or cheese, cheese eye. I'm not sure what the plural is in this <laughs> particular construction. Uh, are all. PhDs in civil rights history, right up until 1962. <laughs> right up until 1962, they can tell you everything the Democratic, the Democrat Party did. Mm-hmm. They were the party of the Klan, you know. Mm-hmm. Robert Byrd and Lyndon Johnson watered down the first. They have a fucking master's degree, a doctorate yeah. mm-hmm. in civil rights and American history, right up until about 1962. Then yeah. it's just silence. Well, Hannity reads that to them well, every show. But yeah, it's not like yeah. again, it's not like they don't have the capacity to understand facts and history. Yeah, it's that yeah. their particular form of deep emotional and psychological malfunction, malignant malfunction. That's what I'll say. I'll, I'll, a dissociative disorder is that they cannot process uh, the truth anymore. They cannot process reality anymore. They won't do it. It's like I've said this before. Cha- they ta- they change their digestive systems so, so they can only eat shit. Mm-hmm. That's literally all they can process. As as because if, if they ate, if they ate a a decent salad and had a breath of fresh air, they would explode. Mm-hmm. So they crawl on their hands and knees looking for someone to feed them shit. And there's always someone out there. They found the biggest, shittiest, awfulest, lionest con man in America, and they made him their fucking president. Mm-hmm. And they are loving it. They're gorging themselves on this because he feeds them the lies they want to hear and he makes liberals cry. And that's really all they fucking care about. And the mm-hmm. fact that Guantanamo Bay is back in business and that uh, Jeff Sessions has promised he's going to crack down on those those reefer demons and their jazz cigarettes. Um, and the fact that we're going to have potentially, we haven't decided yet, but what, witch hunts at the Department of Justice. Because, you know, the, we might have to throw some people in jail for the way they mishandled IRS and Fast and Furious. And, you know... The media didn't even talk about Benghazi. So what's with that? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's this week. Yeah, that's what happened this week. Um, and it's just going to get worse and worse because these people are horrible. Yeah, they're just fucking horrible and they're not going to get any better. So it's kind of yeah. up to people like you and me and a fair, several other million others to stop them. Uh, yeah. And one person who did a pretty good job this week, granted, it was at two in the morning, was Congressman Joseph Kennedy, the third. He did. He, he really, really did. did. He just kept asking the question and made the Trump lawyer or the Trump uh, analyst say it. Say yeah. it out loud that mental health will have zero dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he yeah. also came after Paul Ryan. I, I put some notes at the end of the uh, podcast I would like to read if we have time. Sure. Go ahead. Um, Go but right it's, it's, um, you, and this is a subject we touched on a long time ago, a few times. You cannot understand um, the the philosophy, the depraved philosophy behind everything Republicans do, not just mm-hmm. healthcare, but everything, mm-hmm. unless you understand a little bit about Ayn Rand. You're going to read me from Ayn Rand's journals, aren't you? I'm going to read a little bit from Ayn Rand's journals. Oh, but in the God. service of the following, pa- Paul Ryan and the rest of the of the fake Christians who make up the uh, Trump party, 
um, have no idea, have no, ha, have complete contempt for actual Christianity. Mm-hmm. In every action they take, every word they speak, they absolutely are utter lying hypocrites. Paul Ryan is at the apex of this group because Paul Ryan fucking loves Ayn Rand. Paul Ryan gives his staff copies, or used to anyway, copies of Atlas Shrugged and, uh, and orders them to read it. Or maybe it was the Fountainhead, but it's something by Ayn Rand. He and did. He he stopped doing that when the anti-abortionist pointed out that she was pro-abortion. He was she was radically and he, pro-abortion. And and he <laughs> he stopped doing that when when that when they came to him and pointed that out and, and then he is, stopped handing and, it out to his And Congressman Joseph Kennedy III beat up Paul Ryan with the Bible. He because yep. he went after his Catholicism. Cuz cuz Paul Ryan called getting rid of Obamacare a mercy. And yep. and Kennedy said, I don't know what the hell scripture you're reading. Mm-hmm. Here's what mercy means. Here's what mercy means in your Bible, Paul Ryan. Here's what mm-hmm. you profess to believe. But here's the thing: if you are a Randite, you can't possibly believe in Christianity. You can't possibly believe in God. You can't possibly be a religious person. You can't possibly be a Christian. Now, now you can be an atheist, and I have, and as we've said before, atheists get into heaven first. <laughs> atheists yeah. are some of the loveliest, most wonderful, humane people we know. Nothing wrong with atheism. But Paul Ryan is not an atheist. Paul Ryan is a lying hypocrite. Paul Ryan hides his deep contempt for humanity and his deep loathing for his fellow man behind a veneer of fake Christianity, just like most Republicans do. And the reason you know that is when you pop the hood on anything they do, there's Ayn Rand waiting for you down below. And Ayn Rand said very clearly that she thinks religion is a, is a scam. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She, has, she said over and over again, <laughs> yes, collectivists, you know, communists, anyone who taxes anyone is evil is you know there's no difference between a democrat and a communist in her mind mm-hmm. anyone who mm-hmm. takes money from anyone to do anything for anyone else is a is a stalinist mm-hmm. that was her view but she also was very clear that equally bad are christians yeah <laughs> because they want you to give up your reason and believe in a, a fairy tale god and they want they want you to sacrifice yourself for people who are who are worse than you they want you to give up shit for people who are lower than you she, you know, evil. you're you're reading her as if she is a philosopher. As and people, this is how history has treated her: is that yes. she's a philosopher. She's a deeply damaged person. Oh God, yeah. And yeah. I, I, you know, I realize that you're reading this as a as a quotation in order to sort of talk about what animates Paul Ryan. But I've really had enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so of just not just Ayn Rand is a deeply, deeply disturbed human. She's dead now, but she was a deeply disturbed, uh, cold-hearted, clearly uh, neglected, neglected yeah. child human right. being. Right. Uh, and I'm sorry about that. There is so much of what we are dealing with in humanity and politics right now mm-hmm. that is a result of child neglect. Yes. Well, she was also a neglected child who grew up under Stalin. Yeah, right. And, and, and so she had poverty and war and crap thrown at her that no child exactly and totalitarianism you know and 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 what are we doing now in syria right we are creating this same we are creating monsters exactly and suffering and and terror and and another generation of monsters and this is what this is how i this is when i just kind of start melting down because we don't have to do this no we We don't we have enough resources in the world to not do this well and and that's and the I, I, enemy is nihilism, and the enemy is greed. It is. Those and are 
that's what we have to fight every single day. And this, all of the little fights, and I'm sorry, folks, I know I've shed real tears this week. My friends have shed real tears this week, people who are terrified mm. of the changes that are coming in yes. every regard. It's possible this healthcare bill is dead in the water simply because the the club for growth doesn't like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that is what gets Republican congressmen to say, I'm not going to vote for it's it. It's not cruel enough. It's not, well, and club. it doesn't even matter why. You know, this is right. what all the proof I need of anything is if it's in Breitbart. You know, right. that's that's my proof. Um, Hannity said it. It's that's my proof. But um, the the fact that we have all kind of gotten into up to our necks in the emotion of, oh, my God, they're actually going to affect my kid's ability to take his medicine they're, And they're actually affecting it now. You know, he's out of pills. We talked about this yesterday, you and I. Yep. Uh, my son's out of pills and I'm waiting for Medicaid to approve his prescription because he's over 18 and I have to wait 72 hours for that. Mm-hmm. Um the, uh, the state of Illinois doesn't have a budget. I had a Medicaid managed care system. None of the hospitals in Springfield are taking that managed care company's insurance anymore. Right. Zero hospitals are taking that insurance. Mm-hmm. So um, bless their hearts, the people at my pediatrician's office who are inside this hospital or inside this building – called me and called their customers. And I, when I went yesterday to get the prescriptions, had stacks of paper about what to do. Here's how you cope with this. Mm-hmm. And everyone's switching back to, instead of this managed care system, regular Medicaid. I'm sorry I'm getting into this. but No, but it's necessary. Regular, you're switching to, because the personal is political. The, you're switching to regular Medicaid. And the offices, the doctor's offices are helping everyone do this and using man hours, talk about cost, to help people cope with the failed state that is Illinois. Mm-hmm. And it's because of one guy, yep, and the governor. That's it. And so we're all switching over to regular Medicaid. Then the pharmacy has to deal with that. And the pharmacy now has, because it's regular Medicaid, has to deal with the fact my son's over 18, but he's still a full-time student, but they need authorization. Authorization takes 72 hours. So my son is (laughs) taking two of his sister's pills, which exactly equals one of his pills. So... Yeah. Which I laugh about, but I'm also typing in all caps. My son's taking his sister's pills right. in order to get to school. Right. You know, that's what's happening. So, um, and we're okay. But the pharmacy, in order to accommodate me standing there with a prescription in my hand that they couldn't fill because insurance wouldn't cover it because they didn't have authorization, offered to sell me five pills for $100. Right. The full prescription was going to cost over $500. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, you and I aren't on Medicaid because we have too much income for the the parents in the family to be on Medicaid. Mm -hmm. So we pay an extra $671 a month because we're over 50, you know, and that's going to go up under this bill to 13 or 1400. Yep. Um, which is why AARP is so mad. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that made me feel so good. It's like, oh, I can't wait to see your 30 second ads on Every, you know, throughout all of 2008. This is going to be terrific. Um, I'm sorry. Can I interject something here? Yeah, because now I'm just kind of on this emotional roller coaster. Well, but, but here's the thing. Um, you know, if, if worse comes to worse, we can handle it. Yeah. There are millions of people out there who can't. 
Uh, exactly. And you know, I came home sobbing, not for myself, as right. I always do. Right. You te- you always have to bring me back to square one and say, be selfish. Let's focus on Junior Dude. Right. Let's focus on what he needs to have today. Right. What does he need for the rest of the week? Let's make sure he gets it and let's get it if we have to. If we have right. to pay for it, we'll pay for it. You know, we can always charge it. We can always take money out of PayPal. We can always take money out of somewhere else. But let's well, focus got, on this right here. <laughs> I've got all those Soros checks I haven't even cashed See, yet. See, the Soros checks you haven't even cashed yet. No, but seriously, if we, you know, what do we need to do to meet the needs of the people that in this house that we have response, direct responsibility for? And not that you don't, Fran, I know, and then you kind of pat me on the shoulder. I know you feel responsible for every other mother and every other child. Yes, and I love you for it. <laughs> but right now. Right now. There's a fire in the backyard. Yeah, right. And <laughs> so, let's put that one out, which is easy. We did yep. that. We put yep. that out. But now here's what yeah. I'd like to, here's what I'd like yeah, to emphasize. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and this is sort of good news. But it, 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 And it just occurred to me to tell this as perhaps a story. Um, the reason Junior Dude uh, has been accepted at two very good colleges. Yeah. And is doing really and well. So, and a couple not so good colleges And a couple of well. you know, good colleges. <laughs> but it's been accepted at, at two uh, really good colleges uh, that are within striking distance, within laundry distance of home. Let's <laughs> Emergency laundry distance at home um, is because he has an amazing mother who has learned all about autism yep. and all about treatment and all about everything and is, is would be a magnificent navigator for the system, but also ha- navigates the, the complex minefield mm-hmm. of the American healthcare system yeah. to make sure that he gets what he needs to thrive. Mm-hmm. Without his medication, he would not be going to college. Right. It's that simple. I mean, without medication and, 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 and. And, but and, a, and a whole team of people helping him as well. Exactly. That, that love him. A, yeah. There's a cascade effect for this mm-hmm. gross inhumanity that the Republican Party celebrates. Yep. This cruelness, this this yep. cruelty and meanness. Um, he, he is on his way to being a productive, wonderful citizen. Yep. That's one road. There's another road that if Republicans get everything they want mm-hmm. and take everything away from everybody and fuck you if you're not wealthy and well-connected, you're on your own. And by the way, we took everything, so there's nothing for you. There's nothing left for you. Mm-hmm. There's a, that's the other road, and that's the one they want. That's to freedom. Show. That's the <laughs> yeah. one they want to make sure ninety percent of us are are trapped on forever. Mm-hmm. And that's their philosophy. This is what you know, this is what Paul Ryan believes. He believes healthy, wealthy people should not in any way be taxed to help anyone but themselves. And and his misunderstanding of what insurance is is just amazing. Well, just it's, it's depraved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the idea, and and this is. And, and Charlie Pierce today wrote a, very, a wonderful little piece about, let's take it out of the insurance area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Social Security. Yeah, yeah. You know, hey, Paul, which is insurance. Which you is know, insurance. I, it's not taking it out of the insurance area, but I no. get what he's saying. But he was talking about Paul Ryan's childhood and how when his dad died unexpectedly, right. you know, what got Paul Ryan through college was Social Security benefits. Social Security survivor benefits. And yeah. you know who was contributing to Social Security survivor benefits at that time? Charlie Pierce. Charlie Pierce. And Charlie <laughs> Pierce's father was dying at that time or was very ill at that time. But it was the money that Charlie Pierce and other millions of other people were paying into Social Security who didn't collect it because their fathers didn't die. They provided the reserves for Paul Ryan to use to go to college and, as Charlie Pierce says, 
get the BA in economics that made him the smartest man in the world. Yeah, right, right. The numbers guy. He's the numbers guy. Except, I mean, and this is something that I do have to remind people who get sort of mesmerized by the fact that Paul Ryan is considered the smart guy. God. Paul Ryan's an idiot. He's an idiot. He does not know anything. His his budgets are the source of incredible uh, pass-around-the-office humor at the New York Times. Paul, yeah. Paul Krugman looks forward to the budgets because that's a month's worth of column about what a fucking moron yep. Paul Ryan is. Yep. But, but they think he's smart because everyone else in the party is Louis Gohmert. Yeah, so right. Any any <laughs> meerkat would look bright compared to Louis Gohmert. And because he he layers his bullshit and nonsense with a lot of fake piety, which he absolutely doesn't believe, and a lot of sort of randite crap, and that's the last time I'll mention that, you know, with candy coating. Yeah. But it's and there's, all... And there's one other thing about Paul Ryan's MO, and this is my turn to turn into drift glass, so I'm going to put on my drift glass hat hey, for just a minute. roll on it, baby. I get to do this. <laughs> drift glass is, has had a lot of fun over the past uh, – three months, and he, he's done this before. I'm just going back to 2009, 2010, 2012, whatever, sure. and finding the article that he wrote then mm-hmm. about Republicans that just matches exactly what's going on today. And oh, it's 2005. true. 2005. Yeah, oh, you go way back, yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, mine is from 2012. <laughs> and it's, it's my Photoshop, which I'll put up at my blog for this podcast, of uh, Paul Ryan, Wearing a T-shirt that says "The Black Man is Keeping Me Down," and yeah. he's got you help me a little bit with this because you got, told me to tats, put right? you told me to put the soul patch on yeah. right. You told me to put give Paul Ryan a soul patch and the big arm tattoos that say "Who is John Galt?" Yep. And yep. <laughs> and uh, with that Photoshop, when I made that Photoshop in 2012, I wrote. Um, remember that Paul Ryan's method of operation is always number one. Propose outrageous cuts to government in programs that the public generally favors. Number two, get called out for the outrageous cuts. And number three, be outraged at the mean-spiritedness of the person who said his proposal is outrageous. Yeah. And he did this with his Ryan budget in 2012, which was, he said, Ryan didn't say his budget doesn't focus its cuts on programs for the poor or non-defense discretionary spending. His statement, this is Ezra Klein writing in the Washington Post, lamented Obama's empty promises and efforts to divide Americans. Oh, it's so sad. It didn't argue that the president got Ryan's numbers wrong, and that's because he didn't. (laughs) What divides Americans, I wrote in 2012, is that 44 percent of them, and it's still 44 percent, that are the Trump, now they're they're the Trump dead-enders, 44, 45 percent hate having a black Democrat as president to the point at which they are willing to sacrifice even the appearance of reason or common sense. Sure. The the rest are either under general anesthesia (laughs) or think tax cuts for millionaires and cuts in food programs for children and seniors is absolutely ridiculous. Divided America? You bet. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's exactly the same as it is today. I mean, that, does not change. Blue gal, I have a question. Uh-huh. Why won't Obama lead? <laughs> Why won't Obama lead? Why are the extremes on both sides so terrible? And why is the corrupt duopoly messing everything up? Yeah, here's the thing. Um, I have heard it said, uh, I cannot vouch for it, 
um, that Torah scholars, yeah. uh, in theory, can because uh, of the way it's written and the spacing of the, the letters and the way it's stored, uh, can take a needle and stick it into the Torah, which I'm sure is a terrible sin, but I'm just saying, and tell you every character that that needle intersects based on where it's perforating the document. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they have so thoroughly memorized it up, down, and sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, you can take a pin <laughs> and stick it into your uh, archives or mine at any point in the last 12 years. I'm coming up on 12 years. Mm-hmm. And pull it out, and I swear to God, you couldn't tell if it was written today or mm-hmm. 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. that fucking predictable. Mm-hmm. And this is the part where the sheer um, volume of repetition of don't you see what they're doing? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you, and, and you pull it out, and I've, I've used this analogy before as well. If you pick up a copy of Boss by, uh, by the late Mike Royko of Illinois Politics, all mm-hmm. the family names are the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's dynastic. If you pick up, if you go through anybody's, any liberal archives, go through Digby, go through Atrios, go through whoever, you will find 5, 10, 12 years ago, whenever they started blogging. And believe me, we all were thinking this shit before there were blogs. So our brains go back to the 80s and 90s. Um, the names are the same. Yeah. You know, Mike Barnacle was still an asshole. Tom yep. Friedman was still a jerk. David Brooks was still writing Claptrap. Um, it, it, none of these players change. The, the basic beats they hit, the basic thing of, oh, here's another Republican atrocity. Let's figure out how we're going to both sides the shit out of this. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that liberals have been saying consistently for decades, if you keep doing this shit, it's going to get really bad. And we thought really bad was Bush. Yep. We thought, yep. oh, this after an example, this catastrophically bad, mm-hmm. where the evidence is literally coming home in body bags of how horrible these people are and how willing they are to sacrifice it. First of all, how willing they are to use American tragedy mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. political wedge, as a sniper's nest to take out liberals. And the, and the fact that they are willing to lie about war and peace and torture and and, and just and get away with it. Um, and here come the consequences. And they are Katrina and they're the Iraq war and their deficits and their destroyed reputations. And they're and they're just they go on and on and on and on and on. That finally, 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 the 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 underclocking head cheese class, the dead enders have been slapped so mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. by reality, mm-hmm. that the Beltley mm-hmm. scumbag who rolled over, scumbags who rolled over for the shit have been slapped so hard that they will finally stop doing it. And mm-hmm. we're wrong, mm-hmm. because that's who they are. Beltway mm-hmm. scum are Beltway scum. Yep. And these people are never going to fucking wake up. Yep. Because if they do, they'd have to look in a mirror, and if they look in the mirror, they would blow their brains out. Well, they, but I want to, I also want to talk for, uh, we're going to end, but I want to end with that. I want to tie a ribbon on what you just said. All right. Um, about sort of the people of Kentucky and West Virginia and how and voting for Trump and all of that. Uh, I was pointed uh, by Keith Ellison's Twitter stream today <laughs> to an article in The Atlantic that is uh, about it's an interview with the Nobel laureate uh, economist Angus Deaton. The title of it is, Is It Better to Be Poor in Bangladesh or in the Mississippi Delta? Oh, interesting. And he is study. He is studying Poverty, 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 and white poverty. And one of the things he talks about in this interview is about the Drug Enforcement Administration and how, um, excuse me, not the Drug Enforcement. Is that what I mean? Do I mean the Drug Enforcement? The Food and Drug Drug Administration. Mm -hmm. Food and FDA. The FDA reminds me so much of the um, stock rating agencies. Oh, yes. That. 
would not uh, give a bad rating to a stock because oh. they were afraid the people would go down the road, right? Because they were getting fees. Fees. From the banks. And if they didn't give them AAA, if they didn't rate shit as AAA, they'd take their business down the street. Down the street and get a AAA from them. Right. And so, so you aren't selling an actual rating. You're not being the policeman of the what the bond markets, what the bonds are worth. You're just selling AAA ratings to people. Yep. And the Food and Drug Administration, as this uh, economist pointed out, there are places in white, rural, poor America where OxyContin pills are currency. A town in Indiana where the currency is OxyContin units. They've stopped using money and using grams of OxyContin. And it's easy to carry around. It's got a stable price. It's a fluid market. You can carry it in your pocket and you can trade it for food. And it's being enough of it's being prescribed for 4,000 pills per per citizen. Sure. (laughs) And it turns out, I mean, his his argument is that, uh, you know, FD... Basically, uh, Purdue Pharma, which is owned by this billionaire, the Sackler family, their their name is all over the building. There's Sackler Auditorium. The National Academy of Sciences is all Sacklerized. There's names on the wall all over the place. He got rich from inventing direct consumer, direct to consumer advertising of pharmaceuticals. So the two tub ads for Uh Cialis, you know, he got rich off of that. This company is now called Purdue Pharma, and it was in some trouble until they came up with OxyContin and they got FDA approval for heroin. Yeah, hillbilly heroin. Yep. Hillbilly heroin. And yep. But here's the deal. This is what, what just struck me like, like a smack in the face. Pharmacies would not carry large quantities of OxyContin in black neighborhoods because they were afraid of getting violently hit. By right. robbers, yes. because black people will rob your pharmacy. Who robs pharmacies? Hillbillies. Hillbillies. <laughs> now, now it's hillbillies, right? Uh-huh. Armed robbery of pharmacies is a problem in hillbilly country, Shit, right? Go, go rent a copy of Hillbilly, uh, uh, what is it, Drugstore Cowboy. Yeah. With Matt, yeah. whatever his name is, Matt right. Dillon. Huh? Yeah. Anyway, um, so, but the other part of it to me is... Um, the whole the whole uh, welfare queen situation. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Which is, you know, the welfare queens will take their food stamps and go out and buy drugs with them, and trade them for drugs, and trade them for pot and heroin and and smack and whatever else they can get, and they're just using their food stamps to go out and buy uh, cars yeah. and drugs and right. yeah and food stamps and T-bone steaks and T-bone steaks. Right. And mink mink coats and T-bone and steaks and Cadillacs. Their kids. <laughs> Exactly. And uh, here is OxyContin, which is paid for with Medicaid. Right, with a your lot tax money. And folks that have told their doctor, who is part of the problem, you know, prescribing thousands of pills and uh, pharmacies filling these prescriptions and so on and so forth. And you have OxyContin units being used as currency right. in white America. Smack fair. Smack fair. And it's just, it is the same thing. It is Poverty to the point where the only currency you have is what you can get from the government, right? Uh, well, no. No, this no, I'm where... not saying this. This I'm not turning into Paul Ryan here. No, no, no. Here's, here's where we have to disagree. Black people do it because they are morally depraved. <laughs> White people do it because they are 
victims and addicts and they have health care problems right. and they deserve right. our sympathy right. and pity. Right. Come on, blue gal. Right. Come on, blue Come gal. On. Yeah. So, so um, in another article I read this week that I can't find right now, um, there was a community or a state that decided to get doctors together and particularly surgeons together and uh, and come up with guidelines for surgeons as to how many Oxycontin pills or how many of those, you know, heroin type pills yeah. a person would really need after specific kinds of surgery. Mm -hmm. um, you know, things where you've had abdominal surgery, you might need more. Um, right. Hand surgery, you might need more. But but things like tonsillectomy, you don't need any. You know, ear ear. If you're having ear tube spinning, you don't need any. There are things where it's you're actually better off taking something that's an anti-inflammatory rather than a heroin type pill. What and if I'm depressed that my president's black? How see, I do you, then I you should take as much heroin as possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. So so but but the thing was to really have a conversation with these surgeons whose job is surgery, right? right. Not pain management. Right. And talk and to have a conversation and talk with them and do some training who, you, you know, you think surgeons know everything. And that's the problem. That yeah. is the problem. <laughs> what they found is that in those cases where they gave people fewer pills, people took a lower percentage of those pills. So if you were given, let's say you had, you know, a broken finger and you get a, a splint and you get your finger and you get you get two pills. They said, you know, your pain might be bad for a day or two. We're going to give you two Oxycontin so that if pain gets really bad and you need to sleep, you can take one. You can take one of these and you'll have some pain management. Okay. And I'm making that up about the broken finger. I don't right. know what it would be. But whatever it is, we're going to give you two or four or whatever. We're going to give you this Ziploc bag. These are your your pain medication. You can also use Tylenol and you can also use other over-the-counter medicines. But these are your free, when your pain's bad. And they found that if somebody had four pills, they didn't take two of them. <laughs> you know, they would take two of them over the course of the two weeks until they saw the doctor again. How many did right. you take? I took two. If you gave them 30, they would take 25 of right. them over the course of two weeks. And that makes perfect sense. It does make perfect sense because you're shaking this bottle. It's like aspirin, right? Right. If you have only four of them, okay, I guess I really need to space these out. Or these are yeah. really strong because they only gave me four. And so you're, aspirin, you're, it's, so human, it's human nature. Sure. The, the more you have, the less you're going to think that they are harmful, that, you know, valuable that you need to sort of hold on to them. Right. And uh, that you, you would think differently about them if you were only given a small number. Right. And uh, one of the but, – but getting back to this article uh, of today, um, they point out that the, the – Mr. Deaton points out that uh, in London, in England, not Lon London, England, London is in England. Yes, I'm, it's it getting is. very late here. It is. It's getting, it's getting real late. <laughs> in England, only hospitals can prescribe OxyContin. You have to go to the hospital and you have to be seeing a surgeon. And, a, and, and of course, it's national health. So they have a lot more, hopefully, conversations going on between people and yeah systems involved um and i'm sure i'm going to hear from andy about that no we don't have any systems <laughs> it's just a pez dispenser but you're, here you, no but you're not you you get it from a hospital you, you only get oxycontin from a hospital and that's how they restrict it but yeah. here in this country purdue pharma isn't going to let the federal government say okay oxycontin's a real problem we're going to restrict it to hospitals right that's not going to happen as long well, as we have for-profit pharmaceuticals in this country can i interject one small thing. 
then we're going to stop because oh. we're get, we're in this is a long podcast. I know for goodness <laughs> sakes. <clears throat> there now this is where um, forty years ago I could have had a good conversation with a friend of mine who was a conservative. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and said, look. There are actually psychologies of marketplace behavior that you right. can use to Marcus. drive down costs. Yep. Yep. You know, when you tell insurance companies that you, you profit more if fewer people use you know big ticket items, right. they right. will find a way, and they have found a way under the Affordable Care Act, to use preventive care. They get a lot more interested in your overall health than they are in selling you an MRI. Right. They get really intrigued in getting you off cigarettes and getting you uh, exercising and lowering your blood pressure. They're paid by outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're paid by – you can adjust. You can – the marketplace isn't isn't, uh, dirty. The marketplace is a psychological reality. And it works. And if if hospitals are penalized for bringing you back to the ER after a day in the hospital, and it's it's cheaper for them to keep you an extra day and make sure you're okay, and – Every nurse that walks into your room is going to wash her hands the minute she gets in there, yep. and that prevents so many infections a year that gets them more points toward reimbursement. You are improving cost, outcome. Everything is better. Patient health is better. Yep. Life quality is better. And you are also um, uh, using the marketplace in a way that benefits people, the psychology of the marketplace that benefits people. And you have and fewer nurses out sick right. because they're washing their hands after what they you, yeah, yeah, right. All those extra pages in the Obamacare that was mm-hmm. so hard to read were cost containment experiments. Mm-hmm. Let's try this. Let's try that. Let's see if we offer this incentive package. It'll bring down this cost over here because that's really what you want to do. You want to provide Excellent health care. You don't want to provide excellent health care. You want to provide excellent health outcomes. Which is why the write-ups for these bills took eight months instead of eight hours. Right, because they were trying. And you don't think trying... about how short your bill is. And what you do, and this is, again, 40 years ago or back if there were ever sane conservatives. I don't really know if that's yeah, ever well, been true. In the Eisenhower days before we were born, yeah. there was. Yeah. But then you could revisit the bill, in, and, you, and you would revisit it now. You'd revisit it and say, okay, it's been up and running for six years now. Here's some shit that doesn't work so well. Here's some shit that does work. You know, we really need a public option. Yep. Turns out a public option would actually solve a lot of these problems. Let's put that in there. Let insurance companies compete on the same basis as a public option. Mm-hmm. Let's, again, use the marketplace, measure everybody the same. Uh, and however one, you want to allocate your dollars is fine. But if you want to pay your CEOs a shitload of money and get shitty outcomes, then you're going to lose. Well, and you can also use that market uh, wisdom with insurance companies, because insurance yes. companies, let's face it, are simply organic pe- groups of people making decisions. Yeah. And so you say, uh, we're going to keep the public option out of any state that has three insurance companies yes. offering product. Exactly. If there is a competitive market for insurance in your state, there will not be a public option. If every insurance company but one abandons the market and tries to create a, a monopoly – we, we will make, make sure there is a market yeah. by putting the public option in. But but it's problem solved, right? Four pills versus yeah. thirty pills. Exactly. Using yeah. understanding how people make decisions and and applying that wisely for their benefit and yes. to make things efficient <laughs> and cost effective mm-hmm. isn't impossible. It's no. just when you get fucking greed heads who understand only brute force and fear uh, in charge of everything and and the belief that there's two classes of people. There's us who are superior and everyone else who should go away and die and, and keep their hands off our stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when you start getting these, these fucked up outcomes. 
Yep. Um, and that's when you end up with a President Trump. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if you yeah, want to talk about, about Russia. <laughs> well, I, uh, Russia is everywhere. Yeah. Russia yeah. is the water in which the Trump administration swims. It is yeah. so very bad. It it's is so, so bad. Very bad. And now we find out that Michael Flynn was a paid foreign Half agent, a literally dollars. a paid foreign agent. Yeah. Uh, working for um, fifty million. How much did he get from five hundred thousand? Five hundred half a million dollars. Okay. Million. Yeah. But it was and and it's just all of these people who have this fucked up squirrely relationship and have to keep revising their alibis. Oh, I didn't meet uh, Cleveland. Well, maybe Cleveland. Oh, yes, there was that elevator that time. And yes, I was sleeping with his one of his prostitutes. And, <laughs> you know, and and and, and he any, sent me a case of vodka. <laughs> at any point along that road, if any Democrat had ever done it, oh my God, Republicans would have burned the, the White House down by now. Yep. And yep. it's such a measure of the complete moral bankruptcy of the Republican Party yep. Yep. that there's nobody like, now. Do you want to talk about Legion at all, or that for next week? Uh, we love Legion. It is it is the uh, new Mister Robot, and yeah. you should all go watch it. It's not a replacement. If, if you go watch it. Uh, cause, because if I talk about it right now and I talk about the white room, I'm going to do a spoiler. Yeah, you don't All I'll say is there's a white room in the it's latest a, episode. It's a wonderful show. It is a it, wonderful it, show. Last week's episode confused me a lot and I thought it had really jumped the shark. And then I watched this week's episode and I went, aha, aha, aha there's a reason for all of this. And so, the, and the it really makes a lot of sense so, again. Yeah. The writing is so goddamn good. And the, it's, the, the. The fact that the the writers and the editors and the and the cinematography, the, the <laughs> incredibly brilliant choices of where to put the camera and what the to shoot and how to shoot and, and light so, color, yeah, and, and the um and the soundtrack are so clearly Mr. Robot based. It's not a copy, oh, yeah. but yeah, it's a palette, yeah. and it's a palette that more people are using. And I and I think it's wonderful. It's it just is wonderful. Wonderful, and and <clears throat> it had and it has say it's wonderful again, please. It's wonderful. It's it is just wonderful. wonderful. And and part of the reason that we compare it to Mr. Robot too is the nature of reality. It is dealing with is. a mentally ill person mm -hmm. uh, who is also in this particular case um, a comic book character who has superpowers of, uh -huh. of one kind or another. Except that, like Elliot, uh, you you proceed along the the process of the show not knowing whether what you are watching is uh, is either whether what you are watching is either reality or his imagination or it his is, illness. And, so, the, and, the, and the director doesn't tell you. It is the very, very, very unreliable narrator. Yeah, very, very, very unreliable narrator. Yeah, thank you, Edgar yeah. Allan Poe. Right, um, right. I will only say this about David Brooks. Uh, he may not be working for the New York Times much longer. Yeah. And he's probably getting married to his uh, assistant. His, his girlfriend from the from the divorce days. Who broke up his marriage and who's 25 years his junior. I'm and just she, saying. We thought she went off to Texas and wasn't coming back. But yeah, apparently, but apparently. That, the gossip is that... Uh, uh, their love burns stronger than distance and time. Right. So can, can uh, a red sports car be uh, far behind? <laughs> uh, full midlife crisis. You know, and you know what? I as much as I loathe Mr. Brooks's philosophy and yeah. ideas and lying and twenty five years of profiting off of toxic sludge and hypocrisy, I don't wish anyone a loveless life. No, of course not. Of course and not. And if no. this gets him off the New York Times. Um, <laughs> If this pushes him into retirement. Yeah. Well, and you know, if this is if this if this gets him off the New York Times oxycodone jag that he's been on, yeah, uh, gets him you know 
teaching school in some little college. He's already done enough damage. Yeah. Uh, he's done more than enough damage. My my question would be who would take his place, and I have about three candidates. We'll talk about that next week. Oh, I, it's got to be Not candidates. Juzat. It's got to be Ross Juzat. No. He's already got a job there. I, I have three possible names for for who the New York tell Times. Us, tell us now. Tell us uh, now. One would be Ramesh Panuru. Oh, my God. One would be uh, um, Arthur Brooks. Oh, no. And then maybe uh, someone in the uh, Ben Dominic area, that kind of person. I think uh, they'll or... go full Dinesh D'Souza. No, no, I don't think so. I think D'Souza is <laughs> too far off. But I can't remember the name of the guy who's also, um, you know, one of these these young up-and-coming reformacons. Yeah, yeah. Who are, who are completely homeless now that their party has turned into exactly what liberals said they were. Uh, it's going to be someone from the Federalist. You know yeah. it is. Yeah. It's or, be some, or Michael Gerson. Some you know. white girl from the Feminist is going to be brought on, and that's going to be diversity for the New York Times. Yeah. That's the, what disease, the disease of Brooksism will go merrily on. Oh, God. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It will. will have plenty to write about for the next 20 years. <laughs> yes, you will. But you know what we do each week? Hey, I love you, Drift Glass. I love you too, Blue Gal. Thank you for uh, riding through with me. I almost burst into tears more than once on this podcast, but we got through. And we did. I almost burst into, well, some language I can't use on a podcast. And it's my mm-hmm. mom's birthday, and I've been swearing like a sailor. Uh-huh. Happy birthday, Mom. Happy birthday, Mom. <laughs> See, this is the problem with poor st- You end up with unvetted people like me and Michael Flynn. Uh-huh, uh, working uh-huh. for the government. You know, I, I so vetted you. She did. You she vetted the shit out of me. Yeah. I vetted, particularly in relationship to the children. And I do. While we're on that topic. Yes. Uh, it is. There is a song out right now that if you listen to radio with a 15 year old and a 13 year old, you can't miss. It's by Ed Sheeran. Yeah. And. <laughs> You, you heard that in his voice, I can, did you? I can miss it. I just mentally tune out. And <laughs> hey, look, at it's it's uh, it's Creedence Clearwater Revival going on in my head. <laughs> anyway, this 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 song, it's like it it's I love the shape of you and the magnets in our bodies and put that body on me. Oh, that and, song and on and on yeah. that and and yeah. the first time Drift Glass and I heard it was on Saturday Night yeah, Live because no. we were watching oh. that. And I, I was, I was just listening to it and kind of bobbing along, and and uh, Drift Glass all of a sudden looked at me and said, "I don't like this song. No stepdaughter of mine will be dancing to this song." <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, I can just see in the high school uh, gymnasium one of the one of the stepdaughters dancing with a boy to this song. All of a sudden, she is six foot eight up off of the ground, and she's being carried out of the building." <laughs> Bad. This is bad. Yeah, stepdad. You wait. No, this is my stepdad. What are yeah. you doing, stepdad? Oh, there's a. <laughs> you have to go home now. There's an emergency, <laughs> and you need to be as far away from this location as possible right now. <laughs> I, and I was, I, I kept asking you, like, what would you say to the boy? And you said nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. All of a sudden, he's dancing no. alone. Fuck. He knows I'm why. Dark man. I just sweep in. That was the. <laughs> and I'm gone. And who the hell? What? What? Who, what? Yeah. No. I'm I'm in and out. I, you said to me at the time, all of a sudden he's dancing alone. He knows, knows why. why. That's right. That's right. Uh huh. I got to make you thin the herd the other way. <laughs> you, you get to go home tonight. It is so funny because ten years uh-huh. ago 
you would have just tuned out sure. that song and blah, blah, gone blah, to Creed sure. Clearwater yeah. Revival, but now it's now, oh wait, uh-oh. this might be this this might be a threat to my my yeah, tribe. I've had to to readjust my threat levels. Each week, we post to our Facebook page and website an Internet Kitty sent in by you, the listeners. This week's Internet Kitty is has a very unsettled name. His name is Cuddlebug. Cuddlebug. Cuddlebug is a lovely oh. long hair who likes to sit in boxes when photographed. He is quite the ham, if I do say so myself. Cuddlebug, welcome to our Facebook page and website. You can send your Internet Kitty to us at our email address, proleftpodcast at gmail.com. Where you can also write to both of us. Feel free to write us. We do love hearing from you. Be aware that if you write us at any of our addresses, we reserve the right to read your email or U.S. Postal Service. Go Postal Unions! Letter on the air, unless you say otherwise. Don't forget our gourmet coffee guideline. If you can afford to buy an espresso-based beverage for yourself, buy one for us. And don't forget our Amazon link at our website. We believe in buying local. And we also believe in shopping Amazon with our link if your alternative is a big box store. And, you know, you can get everything from breakfast cereal. You can get everything at Amazon. (laughs) If you're shopping at a big, uh, you know, warehouse that's making the uh, Walton family richer. (laughs) Yes, let's just say. You can make the Driftglass family a little richer. You can. You can follow the chain and not cost yourself a dime. <laughs> and 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 if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can do it with free shipping. So you, you, you there's kinds of good ways to do that. And, Come on, people. Well, you know, it's. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. No. No. We have Amazon packages come to our door three days a week. <laughs> it's um, so terrible. Because well, because they're not available. Lo- I mean, we we do really live this way. We yeah. do try to source locally as much as possible. We, we do. absolutely we are believe local in it. shoppers. We really we are. are. <laughs> you will see us at the local places. They know us there. Uh, but I do have to say that when you have children in the house that are 13 to 18, yeah. Um, one thing that I've noticed happened really the minute they hit puberty was the re- all the relatives stopped guessing what they would want. Right. right. And that and when you know that they have the capacity, they have phones, they have computers and so forth, that the, they have that ability to shop for themselves. Yep. It was every single relative is now an Amazon gift card giver, you know, because yeah. they don't want to get it wrong. They don't want to get the size wrong. They don't want to think about it. And it fits every time. And it does. so that's why it, the reason it, that we have frequent shopping, too, is that these kids of ours, um, for some reason, like to buy things that are very low in cost at and yes. buy, you know, oh, I got a phone case. And it's like, you yeah. got a phone, you have 15 right. phone cases. Yeah. yeah, but there are $2 a piece. And I have a, you know, my birthday was a $50 gift card. So, so we're going to have 25 phone cases coming to the house. Really? Well, but, and a wig. And a wig. Because why wouldn't a fluorescent blue wig? Because why wouldn't we have that? Well, I needed it for Michelle Obama Day at school. Yes. I'm, I'm saw... sitting there going, Michelle Obama doesn't have blue hair. He does at my school. Approximately 1% of our listeners support this podcast with a contribution, and you can too. And we had a couple people this week um, join us in giving five bucks a month. And one person in particular wrote me a letter and said, I will never miss this money because I do get 
gourmet coffee at least once a week. I go and get a latte. Just I know it'll make a difference to you to send you five bucks a month. It will not make a difference to my particular wallet. So if that's the situation you're in, we really appreciate it. So if sending five bucks means that you're going to miss lunch, <laughs> don't send us money. We, yeah, don't uh, do we, it. This is our gift to you. Absolutely. Also, we get a lot of contributions and calls or interests and uh, feedback from deployed military Honestly. all over the world. Uh, it's it's incredibly uh, humbling, and uh, we're delighted to do it. And if you're serving active duty halfway around the globe, this beer is on us, guy. The beer you know, is on us. It's on us. Just yeah. relax. I mean, yeah. if, if you are, if you're a full bird colonel, and you're living <laughs> in a lovely mansion somewhere in the Philippines, and you have fifty fifteen hundred acres of the of prime real estate, you live next door to Oprah in Hawaii. Yeah. yeah okay. And if your name is Schmollen Schmowl, let's say. <laughs> Uh, and you're doing really, really well, and you're really, really freaked out and pissed off by what you see happening to your country and your military because you're an actual patriot. Right. Um, and you feel like tossing uh, yeah, a couple dollars know, away. Making it rain up in here, we'd be hey, happy to take it. <laughs> that's fine. That's a-okay with uh, me and the missus. But if you're just a grunt out there, you know, doing what you do for your country, uh, this one's on us. So don't worry about on it. On us. Absolutely. Oh. Please share our show on Facebook and Twitter. And again, if if this is a situation where uh, you can't afford to contribute financially, one way you can contribute is to share our show. If you can't share it on social media, you can share it just with that other secret liberal you know. Uh, that works, too. We appreciate all of the sharing. Thank you. So, Drift Class, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Well, Blue Gal, the Internet Kitties look forward to scoring head table seats at the White House Correspondents' Dinner this year. Let's think about living. Think about living. Let's think about loving. Think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the popping and the loving, 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 loving. Let's forget about the whining, the crying, the shooting and the dying and the fellow with a switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. The Professional Left Podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2017, Drift Class, Blue Gal Podcast.